following program is pre-recorded. Live from the Hope Center in Plano, Texas, this is Hope in the Night. Late night talk radio offering biblical hope and practical help and on the air now for over 25 years. I'm Jeff Oliver here with author and speaker June Hunt. June, we talk here a lot about the topic of forgiveness and I'm always reminded I was in a, a counseling opportunity with a young man who I was trying to explain to him the concept of forgiveness and mm-hmm. he was not a believer at this point and I was really trying to, to unpack that for him and help him to see what it was that God had for him. I took him to all the kind of classic passages about forgiveness and uh, what God would do for him. And he just remember, I remember he kept, kept saying, but I've done a lot of bad things, Jeff. I've done a lot of bad mm-hmm. things. Well, you just don't know. And so I wonder, if, based on that, what, how would you kind of respond to that if uh, someone thinks that they are, what they've done is beyond the reach of God's forgiveness? I don't think that's so unusual. I've had the same responses from certain people. And uh, you know, the, the concept, now, some people say, can God make a rock so heavy hmm. that he cannot, um, you know, is there anything God cannot do? Right. Can, and like, well, then if God can do anything, then he could he make a, a rock so heavy that he cannot pick up? Well, that, that's not the same thing. No. The answer is that's, that's the wrong premise. Um, and I don't know why that popped into my mind. But So your question is, is it possible to sin beyond God's ability to forgive? Or at least that's mm. what some people will think. The answer is, based on the Bible... No. Um, and I try to always answer based on specific passages, the Word of God, what, what does it say? Um, because God has a word for us. It's his, the Bible is called the Word of God. And uh, so there are things He wants us to know. They're truths. So the point is, God promises to purify us from all, notice the word, all unrighteousness. Hmm. Not just certain specific sins, but we need to first confess our sins. Now, I remember one time I didn't even have a concept of what confess means. I, I, I remember hearing that people would go to a confessional certain people and in a certain denomination, a certain church, and they would confess to a priest. That That's not what this means. Confess, the word confess literally means to agree with. To agree, in this case, to agree with God. And if we agree with God that our sin is sin, in other words, it is violating, um, it, it's really going against the will of God. It could, it may not be appearing this way to other people, but if we know it's wrong for us, and, and yet we willfully continue on 
doing what we know is wrong, um, that's, that is sin. And it's not just robbing people or, or robbing banks, uh, killing people. Sin is we agree we have chosen wrong um, and we say, I, I acknowledge my sin uh, and you don't have to say those words, but I'm just saying we have, we do need to understand that we have gone against being what God wants us to be. And so we not only admit we've sinned, but we also, and this is key, turn from our sins and turn to Jesus, uh, entrusting our lives to Jesus who died for our sins. So if we look at Psalm 32, verse 5, I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. And that's another word for sin. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. Again, my sins to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. That's, again, Psalm 32, verse 5. And I'm, I'm going to repeat it. In fact, this, I know many people are listening. Uh, if you have a Bible, go on and open it up. Turn to Psalm 32, verse 5. And if it's not highlighted or underlined or both, uh, I, I at times do both, um, it, then go on and do that because this is huge. I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my, my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. So when we confess, we are agreeing with God that it is wrong and that we need to change. I, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and what happens as a result. And it doesn't say only these things. It's any sense. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. So, no, it's not possible to sin beyond God's ability to forgive. No matter what you're facing, there's hope. Sometimes it's hard to believe that. When we face challenges at home, work, in our family, or maybe a private struggle, it can be hard to see what God is doing. The good news is, you're not alone. If you're facing a difficult life issue, we'd love to help. Give us a call at 1-800-NIGHT-17 to talk with June Hunt on the Hope in the Night broadcast. You can talk with June about any issue, whether it's family, marriage, anxiety, anger, abuse, grief, or just the everyday stress of life. June would love to hear your story and work through it together with God's Word. The Bible says there is surely a future hope for you, and your hope will not be cut off. If you'd like to talk with June, give us a call at 1-800-NIGHT-17. That's 1-800-644-4817. Your story might bless someone else's life. The sound you're hearing is your generosity at work. 
That's our folding machine preparing hundreds of our short biblical resources to send to prisoners around the country. Hi, I'm Curtis Hale, president of Hope for the Heart. I want to say thank you for your prayers and financial support of our ministry. Thanks to your generosity, we've been able to send thousands of June Hunt's books and biblical resources to prisoners in Texas and to Rikers Island in New York City. These practical resources are pointing inmates to the hope of God's Word on issues like anger, abuse, depression, loneliness, salvation, and more. They're truly changing lives, and this is all possible because of generous friends like you. If you would like to help send more life-changing biblical resources to prisons around the country, you can give online today at hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. That's hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. Welcome back to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. I'm Jeff Oliver, and we want to help you, and we want to help you help others. Well, how do we do that? If you have questions or concerns about something that's going on in your life, uh, any of the topics that we bring up here, if that piques your interest, we'd like to help you with that information and uh, to help you to sort that out, understand God's perspective on your situation in life. And then with uh, that understood and with that uh, healing that you receive from the Lord, you can turn then and help someone else. And that's our goal. That's our desire with our materials here to do that. If you'd like to to uh, get that help, help uh, for yourself first, of course, we uh, ask you to call our customer support team, talk to them about what struggles you might have, and they'll recommend some resources for you. They're available at 800-488-HOPE, Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. And again, they'd love to help you with that. We have Keys for Living on the topic of forgiveness called Releasing You is Freeing Me. And again, customer support is at 800-488-HOPE. That's 800-488-4673. Well, we want to uh, welcome a return caller tonight who listens on the app uh, from Oregon. And we welcome back to the program, James. Well, my friend, I'm so glad that we're talking again because... You had some very substantial things to share about your life, and uh, there was a lot of pain in the past, and I'm so glad we could come back again, um, especially with some certain things you, you shared, and, and I think getting some clarification for just for you could be hugely beneficial. Um, how are you doing uh, since we talked only a few days ago? Well, um, in, in, in uh, our conversation on Friday, I've, mm-hmm. uh, we, uh, at the church where I attend, uh, there was a um, topic brought up about Joseph and the issue of loving your enemies, um, which got me to thinking about some things. Also, um, in, in terms of some things I need clarification on. Okay. It says in Second Corinthians uh 13 verse 5 that 
where to examine, it says, examine yourselves, whether ye be in the faith, prove your own selves. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, it says that we're to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And that's currently um, where I'm at right now. Um, there are some uh, questions that I um, was have been concerned about and considering over the past few weeks. For example, what are the symptoms of being born again? How does one repent? What does self-deception look like? Um, and um, terms of some passages in Scripture, uh, Matthew 20, verse 16, many are called you are chosen. What does it mean to be called? What does it mean to be chosen? Mm -hmm. In First Peter 1, verse 2, uh, Peter mentions the elect. What does that mean, and how does one become part of the elect? Mm -hmm. um, and then finally, in John chapter 4, verse 29, Jesus mentions a resurrection of life as well as a resurrection of condemnation. Now, um, in, in terms of the uh, persecutions that I've experienced over the years, um, as well as uh, my mistakes, um, sometimes I think that I'm not of the elect, and sometimes I think I'm destined to, for the resurrection of condemnation, not the resurrection of life. And I, I don't want that. I want life, not condemnation. And so these are the types of things that I've been thinking about over the week. Okay. that That is one or two things beyond the norm, but I like that you are specific. And I think it's uh, vital that you get answers and you get clear understanding. The issue is not just getting an answer. It's what is God actually saying? You know, what is the intent? And um, this is what God wants us all to do, to study to his word, to show ourselves approved. But it, there's, there's a huge advantage of us knowing what God says so that we're not confused. So I really do compliment you on uh, your your questions. Uh, let me 
uh, I, I, I can go back, and I've tried to write as fast as I could, um, but there's one thing I'm going to start with, and that is, it's like, at times you can think, well, if I did this, will that eliminate the possibility for me to be saved? If I, if I committed this sin, and it's almost like a ranking of sin, some being small in terms of how we can, at times can think. Um, but I will tell you that, I'm, well, I'm, I want to, I want to give you one scripture to start with, and this is Ezekiel thirty-six twenty-six. This is what God says. He says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Notice all these are his actions, not our actions. I will put my spirit in you and cause you or move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And the, the point is, what you see consistent in other passages of the Bible, um, the issue is, will we receive him as our Lord and Savior? If Based on if we genuinely do that, that doesn't mean that we have changed in every way. In fact, that's not it um, at all. It's just, it is the condition of being yielded to the Lord himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, allowing him to be our personal Lord and Savior and relying on what he has done for us. Then he says, this is just, again, one of the passages, but... Um, I will give you a new heart. It's like a heart transplant. Now, we know a physical heart transplant, but this is a spiritual heart transplant. And with that, he says, I put my spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, in you. And that's consistent with um, New Testament passages like, um, I'm trying to decide if I should do the cross-reference. I'll just stick with this right now because we've got a lot of, you've got a lot of questions here, and they're good questions. Um, I'll give you a new heart and put my, uh, put a new spirit in you. That is the Holy Spirit that's being referred to. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and cause you. Now, here is the interesting thing. As he will cause us to change our behavior. And that means, he says he's, he will cause you to follow his decrees and, and be careful to keep his laws. Now, at, uh, I don't know if you had this experience, but I remember um, I lied a lot and I didn't, I, but I didn't call it lying. I just thought I had, I needed to 
change the truth because there would be... Uh, but this, is, this was from the beginning of my existence because um, I couldn't figure out why I lied um, after I became a Christian because I thought, I should. Wh why am I lying and continuing? And, and it was always to get out of trouble. Um, or it, it wasn't to say I just came back from Paris, France, or I just flew around the world. You know, it, it, was, it was not making up stuff like that. I didn't make up. I was tr I was I was very fearful, uh, and I, I really had to think about it. But I was the, the difference is I was convicted that I wanted to change. I didn't, but before I became a Christian, I it, I just would, I would just say whatever I needed to say, and I could call it survival in a way. It was because of the very pain. I, I was always afraid of what my dad would do because he would, if I did something wrong, he'd take it out on my mom, and and that can mean physical damage. My my point there though is I now was convicted nobody talked with me well that's not true I was I had a friend who would say June cut it straight cut it straight but I could not understand why I habitually um, periodically would lie and I'm saying this because I realized there was a difference and I didn't cause the difference. I, I didn't know why I, I felt like, I know this is not consistent with being a Christian, and yet it was quite a while, it, quite a period of time where I still did this until I figured out how to go to war against it. But if there's authentic salvation, the, the Spirit of God is our convictor and he convicts us that we we must not continue on. Now, you can still continue on for quite a while, but then he's also your counselor. He's our counselor, and he will counsel us in the way we should go. So I just want to make sure that that is clear. That's the work of God, though, uh, being the power source for us for change. We would love your prayers here at Hope for the Heart. Over and over in God's Word, the Lord encourages us to lift up one another in prayer. We are reminded in 2 Corinthians 1.11, you help us by your prayers. So we want to encourage you to join the prayer team of June Hunt and the ministry of Hope for the Heart. You can join the Hope for the Heart prayer team at hopefortheheart.org slash pray. When you sign up to join our prayer team, we will send you an email each month to keep you updated with the latest prayer needs of June Hunt and the Ministry of Hope for the Heart. Our prayer team is a great way to stay connected and support June and support the Hope of the Night broadcast. We are so grateful for your prayers and support of our listeners and friends like you who make this ministry possible. You can join our prayer team at hopefortheheart.org slash pray. That's hopefortheheart.org slash pray. And thank you for partnering with us in prayer. 
Do you ever struggle to believe that God loves you, that He accepts you, forgives you, and sees you as His precious, beloved child? So many people have a distorted picture of God that He is distant, disappointed, or doesn't care about what's going on in our lives. The truth is, God cares about you more than you know. We want to encourage you to check out June Hunt's popular devotional, Seeing Yourself Through God's Eyes. In this 31-day devotional, June Hunt provides compassionate, biblical insight to help you understand and embrace the life-changing identity you have in Christ. Each day provides a biblical truth along with a short reflection and journaling questions to help you see yourself through God's eyes. We give this devotional to every caller on Hope in the Night because it has changed so many lives. Get a copy of June Hunt's devotional for yourself or a loved one at junehunt.org. Welcome back. I'm Jeff Oliver. You're listening to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. This is a ministry of Hope for the Heart, and we'd like to thank you for your prayers and support of our ministry. Our customer support team is available at 800-488-HOPE anytime Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. They'll help guide you to God's hope through our resources. And uh, we want to recommend one of our resources to you. Uh, We do have the keys for living on the topic of forgiveness. That's called Releasing You is Freeing Me. And we also have, since we're going through some questions tonight, some uh, very important questions through scriptures that we want to look at the keys for living on uh, salvation, answering arguments, overcoming objections. We recommend that to you, and uh, you can talk to customer support about getting that into your hands, and they will be glad to help you with that. Again, the number 800-488-HOPE. Now, if there's something going on in your life, or in your mind, and you'd like to ask your questions, but uh, in, uh, if there's a theological question, or if there's a relationship issue, or uh, some other issue you'd like to talk about with June, and to see what God's perspective is on your situation in life, just give us a call. We'd like to talk to you on a future broadcast of Hope in the Night. That's 800-917-800-NIGHT-17, and you'll call, leave a message for us. We'll get back to you and talk to you about what questions you have, and uh, when you could be on an upcoming Hope in the Night. We do have availability in the next few days, so we'd like to make you a part of the program here. 800-644-4817. That's 800-NIGHT-17. Let's return to our conversation with James. Well, James, one of your questions was, um, based on 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. And then you said something like, is there a checklist? Um, and as close as I could tell you, there is in the book of First John that's written by the gospel author, whose name was John. And he's John the Beloved. Uh, and he also wrote Revelation. Now, uh, the book of Revelation. Uh, God wants you to know if you're an authentic Christian. Uh, or not. In fact, he has devoted one whole book of the Bible to let you know you have eternal life, or not. First John five thirteen um, says, "I write these things that you may know you have eternal life." Again, that's First John five thirteen. So, 
if, if you read the letter of First John uh, and notice how many times the word K-N-O-W, know, that you may know you have eternal life. Uh, the word know is repeated throughout this short book to make the, the point clear. Then you evaluate your life in light of this insightful book of the Bible. For example, um, we, this is 1 John 2, verse 3. We know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. First um, John 2, 5 and 6. If anyone obeys his word... God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must walk as Jesus did. And he walked in obedience to the Heavenly Father. First um, John 2, 29. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. First John 3, 6. No one who lives in him keeps on sinning. No one who continues to sin has either seen him or known him. It's a continual action verb. And there's a, now a person can sin repeatedly for a period of time, but they cannot continue endlessly doing this. God can remove that person from this earth. And there's a passage that says that. First uh, John 3, 9 and 10 says, No one who is born of God will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. By the way, Jesus is called the imperishable seed. That's what is, that's referring to. That's therefore, therefore, with having Christ in you, you cannot continue to cannot go on sinning because he has been born of God. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not a child of God, nor is anyone uh, who does not love his brother. First uh, John three twenty four. Those who obey his command, his commands, uh, live in him, and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know, we know it by the spirit he gave us. In other words, the spirit of God will confirm it to our hearts. Um, and First uh, John 5, 2 and 3, this is how we know that we love the children of God, by loving God and carrying out his commands. This is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome, meaning we are able to do it. doesn't mean that there's no effort and it's just so easy. That's not it. The last one I'll just mention is 1 John 5, 18. We know that anyone who is born of God does not continue to sin. The one who was born of God keeps him safe and the evil one cannot harm him. Now, let me... Let me give this qualification. It is not that we are sinless, that you come to Christ and then you're just sinless. But what happens, James, is there's a process. It's called sanctification. 
justification is a one point in time when we are justified by re- literally receiving Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. Uh, sanctification is a process of becoming more and more Christ-like. Now, and that is a process of change over a period of time. It is not that we're sinless, but we, listen to this, we sin less and less and less. It's not that we start out and we're just immediately, we come to Christ and then we're sinless. No, um, it is a process of change. Now, does that, does that make sense, what I've said? Okay. When I was a teenager, um, I attended Lincoln Street Baptist Church here in Portland, and um, it's not there now. Um, earlier, I was listening to Revelation 3 on one of my Bible apps, and it when I was listening to the about the church in Sardis, in Sardis, in Revelation 3, which mm-hmm. was the dead church, um, that was uh, the church I attended when I was a teenager to a teen. And you're right, um, that is the spiritually dead church. That is exactly what that's referring to. Exactly. And um, I, I think with our uh, shoot first, ask questions later mentality, um, even if a gun wasn't in our hands, we don't love our enemies in this nation. We condemn our enemies. Let, let, let me let me say something. In our hands, we mm-hmm. get 
trigger happy. Um, okay, I, I, but I, I want to. Hey, in James. The process when I see that happening around me, that affects my faith because the those who came before me are not teaching me how to obey the commands of Jesus. They're telling. They're teaching me how to disobey Jesus. And, and that doesn't do me any favors in terms of my faith. Okay. James, let me address, and I'm so glad you brought this up. When I was a relatively new Christian the first few years, um, I read that scripture, love your enemies. This is what Jesus said, Matthew 5, 44. And I thought, nobody can do that. That must be some ideal. And I just kind of had to dismiss it like, well, that, that's just an impossibility. Now, I was interpreting the word love like when you hear what are called pop songs, popular songs. Or, you know, throughout the, uh, well, you can turn on music and the word love is a, a big seller of music and books. But usually that is, they're talking about the emotional love. And that, the, in, in Greek, that would be eros, E-R-O-S, which is not in the Bible, by the way. Um Agape love does what's best for the other person. And the kind of love that's the highest form of love, even when we see God as love, it's not ooey-gooey Valentine's love. He has a commitment to do what's in our best interests. And when we are to love our enemies, we are to do what is in the best interest of and it, it's typically talking about like another person. I remember I hated my dad, and once I began, I became a Christian, and I saw that scripture and understood it. I thought, oh, I it changed my mindset. What can I do? My my dad was not a Christian at all. What could I do that would benefit him? And it changed my whole focus. Are you struggling with a difficult life issue? Maybe it's a family problem, a private struggle, or something in your past you've never resolved. The good news is you're not alone. Sometimes we need to talk things through with someone who will listen to our story and help make sense of what we're experiencing. For more than 20 years on Hope in the Night, June Hunt has listened to thousands of personal stories, heartaches and challenges from people like you, and provided compassionate counsel from God's Word. No matter what the issue is, family, marriage, anxiety, abuse, grief, or just the daily stresses of work and life. June would love to talk with you and share help and hope through God's Word. If you'd like to talk with June on Hope in the Night, give us a call at 1-800-917. We'll protect your privacy and sharing your story might bless someone else's life. Give us a call today at 1-800-917. That's 1-800-644-4817.
The sound you're hearing is your generosity at work. That's our folding machine preparing hundreds of our short biblical resources to send to prisoners around the country. Hi, I'm Curtis Hale, president of Hope for the Heart. I want to say thank you for your prayers and financial support of our ministry. Thanks to your generosity, we've been able to send thousands of June Hunt's books and biblical resources to prisoners in Texas and to Rikers Island in New York City. These practical resources are pointing inmates to the hope of God's Word on issues like anger, abuse, depression, loneliness, salvation, and more. They're truly changing lives, and this is all possible because of generous friends like you. If you would like to help send more life-changing biblical resources to prisons around the country, you can give online today at hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. That's hopefortheheart.org forward slash give hope. You are listening to Hope in the Night with June Hunt. I'm Jeff Oliver, and we'll get back to our caller in a moment. If you have any questions about tonight's topic or any number of topics, there are over 100 of our Keys for Living to help you address your situation. Keys for Living provide biblical hope, practical help on so many topics, and uh, there's sure to be something that is of interest to you, something you might be struggling with in your life. Just talk to our customer support team at 800-488-HOPE. And they'll be happy to recommend something for you, suggest a title or two that would help you and uh, get that on its way to you. And uh, they, they would uh, love to hear from you. Again, 800-488-HOPE is the number to call. I want to recommend one of our keys for living called Salvation, Answering Arguments, Overcoming Objections. And you can talk to them about that resource or any other that might help you most. Now, 800 800- 488-HOPE is the number to call, 800-488-4673. Also, take a look at our website if you'd like a full listing of our resources. All the materials are there at hopefortheheart.org slash store and find out what interests you the most. And uh, again, you can talk to customer support about that or order directly from the website. Now, let's get back to our conversation tonight with James. Um, James, I I think your questions are great. Um, Let me add one more thing. Um, when I said that I hated my father, I did because of how he treated my mother and and us, but it, I was more concerned about protecting her. Uh, and then when I realized it, the, the scripture, Matthew 5, 44, where Jesus said, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. I had not been praying for my dad. So I just had a hardened heart toward him. But um, when I realized, okay, love your enemies, uh, I, I, doing what's best, I thought, what, what could I do that's best for my dad? Well, he would, he would misplace a, a, his address book continuously, and I determined I would find it ahead of time and so that when he would bark out an order, Where's my address book? Well, I would know where it would be, and I would go get it. And I would just slip out of my chair. I said, I'll get it for you. Bring it. And then I would put it by his side, and I didn't say anything. He all of a sudden had a—he noticed I was trying to be helpful. And I noticed a difference 
for the first time a difference in how he treated me after a period of time. Um, but I, I kept thinking, what can I do? Because I wanted to be biblical. I wanted to do what Jesus said to love. And, and he definitely was an enemy. But my attitude was changing because I started doing the second part of that scripture, pray for those who persecute you. I prayed that he would have a changed life through Christ because I had had that. He, he, he wasn't a Christian at all. He said Christianity is a crutch. He said, I'm not a Christian. I don't have to go by Christian ethics. So I knew where he was. Um, and yet I finally started doing what the Bible said, what Jesus said, pray for those who persecute you. And that meant to pray that he would have a changed life, that he would humble his heart. And I think that changed me more, more than anything is praying for him. And then I started looking for what could I do that could be helpful possibly to him. So it's not, it's not looking at here are all these people who are doing all these wrong things. It, it, you know, from a practical standpoint, we can't do all these things in the world to help everybody who's off base. But there are people that we can take action for when God puts it on our heart. Um, and so I, I wanted, I took much longer than I meant to to, to answer that. Because I want to also, you had asked about work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Now, let me say this. Um, in the Bible, there are three uses of the word saved or salvation. In other words, what do we need to be saved from? Number one, we need to be saved from the penalty of sin, and that is the act of, it's called justification. And we see God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So it's being saved Literally, justification uh, means declared righteous, and that's what happens when we yield our will to the will of the Lord Jesus Christ, receiving him as our personal Lord and Savior, giving him control of our life. That's him being Lord. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. With that scripture, it's Lord giving him ownership of us, or giving him control of our lives. Now, that is one way the word saved is used. The second is what you alluded to, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. We need to be saved from the power of sin. This is the state of sanctification. The first was being saved from the penalty of sin, then Number two is being saved from the power of sin, which is sanctification. And the Philippians 2, 12 and 13 passage that you mentioned is, it's, it, is God, it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his 
good purpose, but it's continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you to will and to act. It's the work of God that he's going to empower you to do what is right in his sight. And so, by the way, the word sanctification means set apart. Set apart to God. uh, Set apart from sin. Uh, It's it's a process of you're set apart to live in a new way of behaving to become more and more Christ-like. And we see that in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 and 4. Now, there is a third salvation. The word saved is we need to be saved from the presence of sin, but this is in heaven. This is a state of glorification. And that word saved is used in that context. Um, But it's the final state of all believers who will be transformed and will have imperishable bodies. Uh, We will live in the presence of God. And that is a future condition. But it is not that we work to, it's, our, it's not works to become saved. Because some people think, oh, well, if I work out my own salvation. No, it, it, it's, it's the proof that you have salvation. And so you're, it's like living out your salvation, uh, doing it, uh, knowing that God is the power source for you to change and that he will do, he will empower you to do what you cannot do in your own strength. Is that clear? Mm. Um, one question that I have is, uh, back to this phrase, the elect, what makes one the elect of God? Where, where is that? Uh, 1 Peter 1, verse 2. Oh, okay. Um, By the way, but was the other salvation part, was that clear? What Mm. I said about the two different, the three different uses of salvation at the two different states? Mm. We will send you a CD of this, and you can listen, because I may have gone too fast, um, but, um, okay, you, you, just for you to have the actual scripture references. So, yeah, so Peter, in First Peter 1, says, uh, well, the, the scripture is, and Peter is the author, uh, to God's elect. Um, strangers or exiles, uh, ex- strangers in the world scattered throughout uh, Pontus, um, and uh, you uh, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father by the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and uh, sprinkling by his blood. Okay. 
so your question earlier was uh, about the elect. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, now, there will be people who, have, who hold to different positions. And um, what we have to realize is um, there are different theological positions as to the elect. And so I will tell you my position. Um, I believe, well, okay, the Bible says in Second um, Peter 3, uh, the Lord is not slow uh, in keeping his promise. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. Now, that's important. God's intent, he does not want anyone, in essence, to go to hell, but everyone to come to repentance. But my friend, you and I know everyone will not repent. Is that not true? True. Okay. But we know his heart is that we, because it says, he does not want anyone to perish. Given that, we know, and I'm going to go one other place, if you seek me, you will find me. When you seek for me with all your heart, I will be found by you. I believe that God gives us an opportunity, all people, um, his heart is not, oh, I'm only going to select these few people. Uh, what I believe, in other words, if, if, if some people would say that these, this small, relatively small group, they are the elect and all the rest he destines, that they don't say he destines them for hell, but if you can't have it both ways, it's got to be either we all have an opportunity to respond to the call of God on our lives. And what that means is he, he, so the elect are those that will, that will yield to his will. Those, and he can, he will know that, he knows all, he knows who will choose, choose him. Now, some people don't believe that. I do taking a lot of scriptures, but I believe that the elect are those whom he knows will yield their will to His will. We will send our keys for living on salvation called Answering Arguments, Overcoming Objections. We'll send that out to tonight's caller, and we do that free of charge because of your generous support of this ministry. If you'd like to give to keep those resources going out and to keep this program on the air, you may do so at hopefortheheart.org slash givehope, and we thank you. You may order resources for yourself at 800-488-HOPE anytime Monday through Friday, 8 to 5 Central Time. Our materials and past programs are available at hopefortheheart.org. Also, our program can be found on all major podcast platforms. Until next time, for June Hunt, I'm Jeff Oliver saying you hang on to hope.